Hi, and welcome to the wonderful world of Disney Villains Podcast. I'm your host, Katie, ready to talk about everything Disney. Hello, 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 and welcome back. I have a very special guest on the podcast for this episode. I felt like Caitlin and I were kind of on the same wavelength. I just kept agreeing with everything she was saying. She was literally validating everything I ever thought about Disney princess movies. In this episode, we are talking about toxic Disney narratives, live action Disney princess remakes not being progressive enough, at least in our opinion, the female hero's journey, Disney on Broadway, and so much more more. Here is Caitlin's master degree in screenwriting hot take on all things Disney and female. So I thought we would just start by introducing yourself and your podcast and we'll just jump right in. Certainly. My name is Caitlin Durante and I, uh, what, who am I? <laughs> I? I'm a comedian. I'm a writer. I have a podcast called The Bechtel Cast that I co-host yes. with Jamie Loftus. And the podcast is all about examining movies through an intersectional feminist lens using the Bechtel test, which is like something we still like, does this movie pass the Bechtel test? But also <laughs> that's become like increasingly less important to like what our show is because mm. our whole, our show is just all about digging into the weeds of how problematic most movies are. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but if anyone's not familiar, the Bechtel test is just a, a media metric that asks, I mean, the most kind of simplified version of the test is do two women speak to each other about something other than a man? Mm-hmm. So it's just sort of like a, a jumping off point to begin to examine how women are, how like, are women in a movie? Yeah. <laughs> if, if so, do they even interact with each other? Oh my gosh, yes. So yeah, that's uh, that's me in a nutshell. Yeah, and I know you guys have done quite a few, or you you two have done quite a few Disney movies. Mm-hmm. And so just in the plethora, you know, of movies that you have done episodes about, I was just curious how many of the Disney movies passed the Bechdel test? Ooh, honestly, I feel like they don't tend to pass very much. Or if they do, it's by the skin of their teeth kind of thing. Yeah, or it's like, I'm not surprised. Because some movies like a lot of the main characters are women and they're interacting a lot and they're mm-hmm. not, you know, there isn't, men aren't really important to the story, but that's not the case for a lot of Disney princess movies specifically because oftentimes if it's a Disney princess movie, her mother is dead. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't have a mom to talk to. She doesn't have any female friends. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have any women in her life seemingly at all. Yes. Therefore, oh my gosh they don't tend to pass or if they do it's just like a very fleeting conversation and not something that's like it's not as though like exchanges of dialogue are like constantly passing it'll just be like oh I, wait a minute i think that was a pass that one, was one moment sentence. yeah <laughs> right <laughs> write it down quick before you forget yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly let's like yeah it's like if you blink you'll miss it mm-hmm. so yeah that's the case especially with older Disney movies, older, like the Renaissance, Disney Renaissance movies and before. Newer ones are, I think Disney became aware of what the Bechdel test was and that, you know, people should pass it, I guess. So (laughs) now they're like, they're like, okay, let's have Moana talk to her grandmother. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Which she should do anyway. 
Right. <laughs> that was going to be my next question is I listened to the Moana episode. I know just recently watching and I actually just put it on for my son to watch. Moana is, is recent, but so is Merida and other movies, but they don't necessarily pass the Bechdel test. I mean, Merida, I think does, but Princess and the Frog, Tangled or, or any of those, they are technically more recent, but do mm-hmm. they actually pass the Bechdel test? For like Tangled, I'd have to go. I haven't seen that one as much as some of the other ones, but they don't probably pass as much as you'd think, especially for these movies that center around a female protagonist. But they're all, again, especially these Disney princess movies, they are based on centuries old fairy tales, which are all about a damseled woman having to be saved by a man and then falling in love with that man. Because when a man, you know, when a man saves you, he (laughs) deserves the reward of your love and affection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what like the rest fairy of your tale. life <laughs> for the rest of your life and you'll live happily ever after even no, though no couple fights no divorce <laughs> <laughs> even though you don't have anything in common and you're not at all compatible mm-hmm. but because you're both attractive and you're near each other yes then that's what love yes. is <laughs> oh my gosh yeah i um had previously talked in one of my early episodes about the parody musical twisted on youtube by team Mm. star kid and that's literally the intro song is the intro song to beauty and the beast so it's Uh literally the song bell but it's jafar singing it instead of bell and the (laughs) entire time all the students are just saying f you jafar you know why we're saying f you because you're ugly and only attractive people will be successful in this town Oh my gosh, that's, I mean, the tropes that are present in so many Disney movies are troubling. (laughs) Yes, oh my gosh. Yeah, like, I mean, the Jafar thing, it's like queer-coded Disney villains, Mm -hmm. their skin is usually darker, whereas, like, the the heroes are, like, pale, like, Snow White. Mm -hmm. Her whole thing is, like, her skin is so white that she's basically (laughs) transparent. Um, Yeah, just, oh, so much, so much stuff. Our conversation now is literally episode two of this podcast, Uh (laughs) where I literally went to grad school to do research on this topic. And so my master's thesis was this topic. Specifically for Disney? Yeah, Disney villains. Mm. Why are Disney villains represented as marginalized communities of people? And how does that Mm. criminalize those communities in real life? That was my master's thesis. Mm -hmm. And so I purposely was looking for all these parodies and all these patterns. And even though there's like generation gaps and we've become more progressive, Uh it's still the same pattern of doing the exact same thing of attractive, darker skin, being queer coded. And having a standard English dialect and X, Y, and Z things. Mm -hmm. Like literally everything you're saying, I'm like, yes, 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 (laughs) exactly, yes. But people don't pick up on those things, you know? They don't pick up on them. Or because the target audience for these movies is children, it like ends up ingraining these really Mm -hmm. toxic, harmful ideas. And we like, I never knew that I was like ingesting this specific soaking it up yeah yeah my 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 tiny child sponge brain is just like oh well this all must mean something if if this is the way villains are presented in these children movies Mm -hmm. and these movies tell me that those villains are bad people Mm -hmm. like our brains make these subconscious connections yes (laughs) and then that's why everything's bad in the world yeah, I like to think so, but I, I probably shouldn't say that. 
we have to, I'll, I'll be the first one to say that everything is bad in the world, but there's so much unlearning that we have to do, especially if like my generation, you know, I'm like on the older end of the millennial mm. spectrum. I think maybe Gen, Gen Z, is it? I keep forgetting which is the younger one. I Gen, did too. The like teens now. Yeah. The Gen Zs. Yeah, I think it's Gen Z. They, uh, I sound so old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you. We're we're around the same we're on the same based on your generational title that you mentioned. Oh, thank you so much. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think because this younger generation is coming up with movies targeted to them that are more like more inclusive and more diverse and more mm-hmm. have like just like more progressive messaging that they won't be subject to quite the same just harmful toxic Mm -hmm. tropes and won't need to do as much of the unlearning of that hopefully is i hope (laughs) yes you meant you have a young son you know hopefully he's consuming just all the best (laughs) content i hope yeah well i mean i know he hasn't already but we watch a lot of (laughs) we watch a lot of kevin hart and i'm like this is not appropriate Mm. for like we just watched his his Netflix special, the newer one, the oh, newest sure. one, where he's in his house and there's all those people in his house during COVID, which seemed very wrong. Oh, <gasps> Kevin. Yeah. yeah. And my child is just staring like, I don't understand anything that's going on. It's all just going whoosh over my head. But he can't talk yet, so I'm hoping that he'll forget it. <laughs> and, oh, sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, like, he's a, a full baby and everything? A full baby hasn't <laughs> talked yet. Yeah. <laughs> but he likes to sit up on the couch in between us and stares at the tv for like a good 10 minutes okay yeah he has a very long attention span for that's that's impressive especially probably not understanding a word that kevin is saying (laughs) yeah that and then aladdin he'll watch the first half hour of aladdin straight Mm. which is not necessarily a good thing because it's like just jafar (laughs) you know (laughs) just jafar niago but hopefully he's not you know picking up those things well, I mean, again, this generation of like parents with young children, I think, are more clued into like, okay, I'll expose you to XYZ media, mm. but let's also have a conversation about yes. it. Yes. Like when they're old enough to understand. Like, uh, I've had listeners of the Bechtel cast say, like, you've helped kind of give me the tool, not to brag or anything, but like. No, but you should. <laughs> I now have better tools and language to be able to like talk to my children about like we watched this movie and it was like really good for representation and and here's why or Mm. like we watched this movie together and it wasn't great and here's why and like yeah I think parents these days are like better equipped to have those meaningful conversations about representation with with their kids so that's good yeah I'm just (laughs) gonna tell my son to just watch just listen to the Bechdel cast when you're older (laughs) I don't have to explain anything just listen (laughs) yeah he'll be like seven years old where like swearing up a storm and like talking about so much inappropriate stuff but yeah like your ratings and such oh my gosh (laughs) yes but yeah yeah maybe maybe when he's a teenager or something although by then like a lot of the stuff we've said will be like so outdated because everything yeah but they're not being redone i mean have you have you seen the live action have you guys done any episodes about the live action uh disney movies no, and I don't think we will just because ugh, the those movies annoy me so much. And right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, what's the point? 
I mean, if we're going to get into the live action ones, it's that thing again where like Disney is like, wait a minute, it's 2018 or 2020 mm-hmm. or whatever year it is when, you know, these movies are coming out. And they're like, oh, shoot, people have criticized us for like not being feminist and for like doing this and this and that. So let's course correct. But the way they choose to course correct, it's not really. It's bare minimum. And it's usually they give the princess an extra song and the song always sucks. (laughs) (laughs) And and it's just like very it what feels to me like very empty gestures. So they're still Yeah, like they're purposely doing it just to save face and it's not sincere or authentic Mm -hmm. in any way. I do like Princess Jasmine's song though, but I Mm. can't stand the Cinderella movie. It is just it could have been so much more progressive. Like I, to this day, have not watched it all the way through because I give up like like partway through while I'm done. I've watched as far as I could. I can't stand it anymore. <laughs> Which one? The animated one from the 50s or the remake? No, the remake from like mm. 2016 or something. I will watch the Brandy version though. <gasps> I will watch that one. That one's coming to Disney Plus soon. I'm so excited. But the new one, I can't. I can't do it. And there's another one coming out. I just found out. Another one? Another one. Uh How? with um <laughs> Dina Menzel and Billy Porter and a oh. few other people. Yeah, like a Broadway cast version. But I'm like Another one? Another, do we really <laughs> like need to many? retell the Cinderella narrative again? Again. Wait, okay. So I had only ever seen the the animated Cinderella from Disney mm-hmm. maybe like once as a child. And I didn't, I don't know, we just, it like wasn't one of the VHSs we had. So mm-hmm. I just like didn't see it. But then I rewatched it because on the Bechdel cast, we just covered the Brandy Whitney Houston Cinderella, <gasps> oh, which is I like. Listen to that. When this gets released, it might have already come out. But it's the best Cinderella story, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although I haven't seen, I haven't seen Hilary Duff's Cinderella. I was going to ask, or Selena <laughs> Gomez, or um, Lucy Hale's. There's so oh, many. Yeah, I didn't even know about those ones. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's basically the Hilary Duff one, but like younger and okay. slightly different. I feel like there's also like christmas cinderella story it might have been like a netflix original or something there's so many christmas prince stories out there oh my gosh including christmas prince yeah (laughs) but yeah cinderella is a story that like i'm so tired of but i do like the the brandy rendition which is a disney property Mm -hmm. so so it counts. Yeah, I have not seen the Cinderella re- like li- Disney live action remake from like mid 2010s or whenever that was. Somewhere in there. Some who knows. Um, but I can't believe they're making another one. Wait, who's mm-hmm. Billy Porter going to play? I think he is the non-conforming gender fairy godmother. Oh. Which I'm super jazzed about. I love that's... Billy Porter. Yeah, that I like that. Okay, I'm glad that they're doing that. <laughs> it's about time. Think, seriously, I'm surprised Adina Menzel wouldn't have been cast as the... Because when you said that... She's the evil stepmother. Oh, okay. Which I think is going to be really interesting. That's appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> well, really, okay. with any actress, once you get up there in years, you're defaulted to that character. You are only allowed to play an evil stepmother, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was listening to an interview with Meryl Streep about when she was 
in the musical Into the Woods. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I just turned 40 and all of a sudden I get all of these calls about auditioning for witches and old, like really old hags and other. (laughs) Jeez, people, she's only 40. She still looks great. (laughs) But It's it's a sad, bleak life out there. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, everything's bad i said it before i'll say it again <laughs> yeah i oh what was i gonna say disney lots of cinderellas well, too many cinderellas i am glad that again in this sort of new wave of disney properties and not all of them are perfect or great but they're definitely it's we're seeing like a step in a better direction with i mean moana is one of my favorite movies just of all time i teach it in my screenwriting classes like it's such a good structured story and a great hero's journey narrative which is like something that women are not often afforded Mm -hmm. so many hero's journey stories are are for men are for male protagonists so that's who has been allowed to like go on a hero's journey so when i saw moana i was like this Mm -hmm. is like such a classic hero's journey story but like the fact that it's a woman i was just i was like this is amazing this is so exciting and the music is so good Mm -hmm. oh my gosh even though she's still super thin, <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. at least she has more realistic body <laughs> proportions and like, yeah. more realistic fingers and toes and other. Actually, I have a question for you then, mm-hmm. just because we're talking about Moana. And actually, I was just looking it up. Camila Cabello is playing Cinderella. Oh, yeah. But okay. anyway, anyway, so when I was doing my research, I found quite a few different things saying the villain of Moana is not Taka, like we obviously see and mm-hmm. they're saying that really if you think about it the villain is maui mm. because of how he throws his emotional trauma and like i can't deal with my feelings because i'm a masculine man here moana you deal with my feelings for me you sort it out for me give it back to me and i'll be you know on my way and plus you know he tries to kill her multiple times by throwing her off the boat and True. you know he, he took the heart of defeaty to begin with and people assume that with rape culture because mm-hmm. he did take everything that she was and then she became this demon and in the end she ends up forgiving him and fixing his thing for him and it just shows you know like women are always fixing men's problems and doing all <sighs> these things for them and they never show that they're grateful for it and i was just curious like what your thoughts were about that definitely um because to no not to the crab is named oh my gosh how do oh i gosh. not remember this um anyway the crab yeah <laughs> is only in one sequence in the entire movie and yeah. that does not make a villain so or i mean he's a villainous he's definitely antagonistic but he is not the antagonist i completely right. agree that maui is uh, poised as the antagonist of the movie and while not to get too technical into screenwriting terms here the midpoint of the story marks a shift where they he goes from being antagonistic toward moana to being uh, more of an ally not to say that all that antagonism disappears but when he agrees to like accompany her on this journey and actually help her uh, that sort of marks a shift from him not really being the antagonist anymore. So Moana is actually a really interesting example of a Disney princess movie, if we can call it that, if we can call her a princess. We um, can. She's in we the can. official lineup. She's in the canon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. 
but she's not a princess in the traditional fairy tale sense right in yes. that she like doesn't have to be rescued by a man and like mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff normally those movies do have a pretty distinct antagonist and normally it's an evil witch uh, mm-hmm. who's an older woman who's jealous of a younger prettier yes. woman <laughs> and all yes. of the you know problems that come with that so moana is pretty unique or i'm, I'm wondering if we're going to see like a trend in this direction because there's also just sort of like more realistic. People don't yeah. come into our lives who are like, I'm the evilest person in the world. Why? Because reasons. So for me, it's easier to identify with a villain. A villain like Maui is easier to identify as like someone in your real life than yes. like, I mean, how many of us have like an evil queen stepmother who turns into a witch and antagonizes us and like tries mm-hmm. to kill us all the time but we have plenty of people True. who are like men with fragile male egos who are like projecting their trauma onto us and the emotional burden is on the, the woman to like try to fix him yeah. and like <laughs> comfort him and like reassure his his fragility and all that stuff so i actually really appreciated that about the movie and it is like a pretty significant departure from what you had what we've seen in other Disney movies but I, I it just felt like such a refreshing change of pace to me yeah I was kind of looking at like the breakdown of female versus male villains mm-hmm. and it's actually pretty equal when you're looking at who is part of the official princess lineup Mm-hmm. Um, which is basically everybody that we assume it will be except for Anna and Elsa because they have their own special lineup because they're that oh, popular. Sure. Um, <laughs> but also I was kind of surprised that the Lion King wasn't in that lineup, but I guess it's because she's not a human, so we can't mm. include her. But it's six and six, so there's six female villains and six male villains. And the female villains are all (laughs) from the past, except Uh for Moana, you know, technically, unless you count Maui, then, you know, um, and Rapunzel. Yeah. So all of the female villains are from the 1980s or before. And everybody Hmm. since then, aside from Tangled and Moana, are male. Okay, wait, so can you go through this list? Yeah. I have have a theory and I want to see how correct I am about it. (laughs) So the first one was Snow White. So we have the evil queen. And we have Cinderella and her evil stepmother. Uh, right. Lady Tremaine. And then we have Sleeping Beauty and we have Maleficent. Mm. Uh, we have Little Mermaid. We have Ursula. And that was the end of the 80s. And so then we move into the 90s. We have Beauty and the Beast. So we have Gaston. We have Aladdin. Mm. So we have Jafar. Pocahontas. So we have, what's his first name? Ratcliffe. Um, Sh- Governor Ratcliffe. Oh, Governor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we have Mulan. So we have the Huns and what's his face and then we have something yeah and we have um princess and the frog and so we have dr Psyllie. oh and tarzan's not in there that's kind of strange anyway oh. we have tangled so we have mother gothel and we have brave and mordu the bear the and bear then, yeah <laughs> and then uh, i had to look that one up because i was like what's his name again and then we have moana <laughs> And so that's like the most recent and then anna and elsa have their own you know canon and sure. so we have prince hans there Yes, 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 yes. So my theory was a lot of movies, and I think this still is still true for, and this is kind of like spanning across genres, mm-hmm. where a movie with a female villain, which, you know, it depends on how it's handled, but I don't like inherently hate that. I'm like, cool, yeah, women can be villains too. Totally. Um, but the ones with female villains also tend to have 
female protagonists, as if to say a story with a female antagonist doesn't feel like it would pose enough of a threat to a story with a male protagonist. That was one of the questions that I wrote down for today. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think like in stories where a man is the protagonist, he wouldn't see in a lot of cases a woman as a threat or Mm -hmm. like just the people who are crafting the story wouldn't see a woman as being like capable enough Mm -hmm. to pose any kind of threat to a man and this is true for those earlier disney movies where the female protagonist had a female villain i'd be interested to see so like disney seemed to get away from that because they had well my theory doesn't even apply here but then they started moving into more male antagonists which Mm. yeah the people who antagonize me the most in my life (laughs) guess who they are men yeah yeah (laughs) But I'd be interested to see more movies. And again, this could be Disney movies. This could be any studio, any genre Mm -hmm. that have a male protagonist and a female villain. And I know they exist. So everyone who wants to like slide into my comments, like, yes, I know they they already exist. But I'd like to Mm -hmm. see more of that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that's literally what I wrote down. My literal notes say, why are there no female villains for Disney films starring men? And I specifically put Aladdin, mm-hmm. Lion King, Hercules, Hunchback of Notre Dame, and Peter Pan. Yeah. And I was like, there are female and male villains for Disney princess films. Are females not up to par to go against a man slash boy? That's literally what I, I wrote. And then <laughs> um, this morning we watched Emperor's New Groove. So uh-huh. Yizma is. But when you're looking at the Emperor's New Groove, Cusco does not really seem like a strong, able male protagonist Mm -hmm. you know he can't do anything on his own like people feed him and you know clothe him and bathe him and do everything for him they even carry him up the stairs (laughs) so it's like so did they purposely place a really old woman to be his royal vizier who then overtakes him for this reason and she purposely like the first time i saw her and I, i haven't seen this movie in years but the first time i saw her i was like they couldn't have made her look any more of a villain with her darkness and her long eyelashes <laughs> and this giant frill thing sticking like five feet out of her neck. No, I totally mm. would never guess that she is the villain. <laughs> like, I don't know how much more obvious you can be. I don't really see Cusco as someone that you should be going up against or feel that you mm-hmm. couldn't easily overtake. And so I don't really count that one. Sure. Um, and then the Lion King 2, because I grew up with the Lion King 2, not the first Lion King. Oh, interesting. And yeah, it was kind of weird. I grew up with all the sequels. The Lion King 2 is the antagonist is a female, but technically the protagonist is also female because it's Simba's mm. daughter. Oh, Even though, I've never seen yeah. The Lion King 2. Oh, oh, you should watch it. So it's it's a little cheesy and it's just really because I grew up watching it so I can like watch it all the way through without being like, man, this does this seem like, no, this is my childhood. This is nostalgic. It's about Simba's daughter be basically everything that he was when he was young. Like, I want to go out and do this and be free and whatever. And she runs into this lion who looks exactly like Scar and they mm. find out it's Scar's son. So before Scar died, he had a son. What? Wild? And so they kind of like have this Romeo and Juliet thing. And Simba keeps having like traumatic episodes. Every time he sees him, he like thinks of Scar and everything that Scar internally did to him. 
which is really hard um, when you think about it. And and him trying to accept that his daughter is growing up and his daughter likes this boy who looks like someone who traumatized and inflicted abuse on him. Yeah. Um, And the female antagonist is that boy's mother. So she's like, we're all the lions and lionesses who believed in Scar and believed that he would be a good ruler. And so when Simba came back, we were basically banished. And that's that out of the first yeah, movie. Because it's like, who thought he would be a good leader? <laughs> so anyway, I don't think it's on Disney Plus, but mm. I remember I had the VHS of it. And so that was the one that I watched. <laughs> as far as I'm aware, there are no death scenes. So you're not going to cry. <laughs> oh, oh good. So, yeah thank goodness yeah yeah those were the only two that i could think of yeah hmm well and this is something i like as well because it just means that the female protagonists in newer disney movies are given more of an internal struggle but mm. in addition to an external struggle and again not to get too screenwritery here but like no i love that stuff I don't know anything about that side. So I'm really interested actually to learn. Take one of my classes. (laughs) Because for so long, Disney princesses had been just barely characterized at all. Mm. Like couldn't list their traits, except that they were like really nice and they could sing well. Yes. And they could talk to animals. Yes. (laughs) And they were obsessed with love and finding a prince. That does not make a well-rounded, dynamic, multi-dimensional character. So in more recent movies, they're doing a better job at equipping these characters with just more traits and more of an internal struggle and more agency. And again, to go back to Moana, she has this whole internal arc of like, why was I the chosen one? And mm-hmm. I am I up to the challenge? And what's special about me? And prove to myself and others that I'm capable of this journey. And like you have, and one of the reasons that Maui is so antagonistic of her in the beginning and throughout the rest of the story is that like he doesn't believe in her. So he just sort of reinforces mm. her own doubts and insecurities. Yeah. And it's not until the very end where. He's like, wow, I guess you could do a thing after all. Cool. And she's like, yeah. (laughs) Um, I appreciate that they are putting more care and effort into actually characterizing the women who are driving the narrative. Yes. It's like, why would we follow this entire story only to be like, yeah, I watched it. Well, I guess it's like Princess Anna when she met Hans. (laughs) It's like, tell me about him. What do you know about him? Like, what's his last name? Of the Southern Isles. And what's his <laughs> shoe size? I don't know. Like, what are what's his eye color? Dreamy? Like, that's all you could be able to say about all these princesses, even though you followed them through this entire, like, hour and a half movie. Because realistically, Tangled should have also experienced trauma knowing that the person who raised her for however many years is a <laughs> villain kidnapper who was about to get ready to kill her just for right? her hair. Yeah. Yeah, more trauma in Disney movies, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the world of the Let's story. Let's just talk about how you're processing your trauma. Let's just, that's all we need to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't that part kind of the sort of the joke in that like very self-referential scene in Ralph Breaks the Internet? Where, oh, yes. yeah. Like she, I forget the character's name, but the Sarah Penelope. Silverman character. Penelope. Yeah. 
comes upon all of, like the canon Disney princesses mm-hmm. and they're like, did you get abducted and uh, yeah. like forced into like servitude by your blah, blah, blah. Like just all the yeah. drama that they have. I did like with. that scene. That was fun. I'm like, yeah, but let's see an entire movie that explores like the processing of that the aftermath and the processing of all that trauma mm-hmm. <laughs> and that you need to look at a, a pool of water and then this musical number will just start to explode out of you <laughs> <laughs> the fact that merida was kind of not shunned but they were just kind of like oh we don't understand her because she's from the other studio <laughs> oh right because it's pixar <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, pixar wow. did well for, mm-hmm. for their first disney princess yeah, not too bad. Brave is just mom and mom and daughters like the whole time. So, yeah, and yes, the mom is a bear most of the movie, but sometimes yeah, our totally moms turn into that. bears. I know. Yeah. I'm just like, what? she's a bear. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I remember um, I was listening to another podcast, and they were talking about that too. Where it's like, I don't like that movie because I was going in thinking, oh, she's gonna change her fate, and all it is is a movie about bears. <laughs> It's just bears everywhere. And this person was like very upset about it. Like I watched the video version. He's turning red. He's like, it's just a movie about bears. Bears everywhere. Bears, bears, bears. <laughs> the mom's a bear. The bad guy's a bear. The, the brothers are bears. Triplets are bears. <laughs> so I work eight to five and I have a TV right next to me. And I just kind of like play those movies in the background while I'm working. Mm-hmm. And I was watching Sleeping. I was kind of watching Sleeping Beauty, but really I was working. Your boss is going to listen to yeah. it and be like, wait a minute, you weren't working? I was just like, okay, so she is basically kidnapped, but given permission by her parents to have these three fairies kidnap her and take her and grow her as a maiden. And then all she does is sing, pick berries, and her voice attracts some prince, but she doesn't know he's a prince. Mm. And then... As soon as she goes home, they're like, happy birthday, by the way, you're a princess and you're betrothed and blah, blah, blah. And all she does is cry because she's like, I met my forever husband and that's not him. <laughs> so I'm going to cry forever. And then she goes into the sleep. She wakes up, totally doesn't care about the fact that like, why am I in this bed in a tower? And what are you doing looking at me? Oh, you're that person that I met before. Great. And then she walks down this castle and there's no like story arc of her processing the fact she was basically hypnotized to walk up to this tower to get her finger pricked and pass out and some guy kissed her without her consent she woke up it was the person that she was in love with that she was crying about 10 minutes ago and now she's a princess and she met her biological parents whoever knew like what happened to them and all of a sudden now she has to rule a kingdom and she has she's a maiden she doesn't even wear shoes and (laughs) all she does is pick berries and sing the animals all day and all of a sudden oh congratulations you're actually the ruler of this entire kingdom now you need to learn everybody's names and you need to learn all of our rules and policies and you need to learn how to wear shoes and be a proper princess and x y and z no pressure yeah that is (laughs) so much to process and we don't even know if she can because we don't know anything about her yes um (laughs) well you brought up the non-consensual kiss that happens in this happens in sleeping beauty this happens in snow white and Mm -hmm. if you're like oh well yeah those are like movies from decades and decades ago of course we like didn't really understand how important consent was back then because we were living in a nightmare world even more so than Mm -hmm, now mm -hmm. um but if you thought we were over all that i don't know have you seen enchanted yes and that was kind of more recent 
That was very recent. That was like 20, I don't know, 2012 or 2015. I don't know. It was, it was like within the past 20 years, definitely. For sure. Yeah. Um, in that movie, it's, you know, live action, mm-hmm. Amy Adams basically mm-hmm. being a live action animated Disney princess. Right. And she like is unconscious at the end because Susan Sarandon was all like, I'm evil for no reason. <laughs> and or because I'm an older woman and I'm therefore very jealous of this hot woman and she's unconscious. And then two different men kiss her while she's unconscious <laughs> yeah, and, and unable right. to give consent. <laughs> so you're just like, what? We're st- I, hang on. I'm going to look up what year it came out because it's like 2010 or something like that. And yeah, I was somewhere just like, around are there. Are you kidding me? Amy right Adams now? looks exactly the same now. So it can't be. Well, I guess it could be, but <laughs> oh, it ages really well. She does. 2007. So okay. that's but still. I mean, still. Princess and the Frog came out two years later. So <sighs> yeah, at least the non-consensual kisses that happen in that movie is when she's awake. I guess that's <laughs> a step in the right direction. <laughs> oh, sigh. Well, but I guess yeah. that's why one of the things I liked about Frozen, he's like, can I kiss you? Mm-hmm. And then she was like, you may. I don't know if that was intentional or they were like, we should just add it because we're being authentic and sincere about this. It does. It makes you wonder. But the fact that it's there and not him just surprise kissing her without her knowing his intentions or giving consent mm-hmm. is definitely a step in the right direction. Yeah. I think Princess Anna also wants it more than other princesses. There was a clip that they showed on Good Morning America or something. So they showed the song that Anna and Hans sing together. Oh, Hans is the bad guy at the beginning, right? That she immediately falls in love with. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. I know what you mean, yeah. but I can't So they're singing sing. it. Yeah. I, I don't even remember what the title was. So they're singing and then there's this instrumental part in the middle of the song where they're just showing like a montage of them getting to know each other throughout the night. Mm-hmm. So it's like them dancing together and then holding hands and mm-hmm. she just straight up pushes his face into her boobs. <laughs> <laughs> and she's whoa. like, whoa, people, this is a Disney musical. Yeah, this, wow. So I was like, oh, she wants it. She's... This version of her wants it. Sure. Okay, so this is like the stage version, right? Not yeah. the... Because uh, I was like, I don't remember that from the movie, no, no, but no. that... Okay, that <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Definitely would never be in the animated. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in the live action. So I went to see Aladdin once, and there was this one scene, like, when Aladdin and Jasmine met, and Aladdin was pretty cocky about his lifestyle and the way he looked and being buff and everything. And this Aladdin is played by someone in his 30s pretending to be an 18-year-old, right? (laughs) Sure. So he is like walking around and he meets Jasmine for the first time. He's totally starstruck and in love. And she had said something and it was about him or she was like, oh, you're not wearing a shirt or something. And and he just all of a sudden like super seductively was like, oh, so you noticed and was like showing off his guns and stuff. Hmm. So I'm like, mm, all of these musicals are trying to, you know. Disney's getting horny on stage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> well, like, you know, they are older technically. Sure. And I wonder who's like the target audience for those stage productions? Because I feel like it's maybe... I think I feel like, like it's the parents. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I was thinking. Yeah, because Elsa has a whole song where she's basically contemplating suicide. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty heavy and it's a rock song. It's super powerful. And she's running from them in her pantsuit. And she's like, should I just kill myself and maybe the snow will go away? Or should I stay alive and try to fix it? What if when I die, it still continues and it never goes away? Hmm. Yeah, I think it's definitely heavy. I mean, kids don't buy tickets to Broadway. Parents do, (laughs) you know? Broadway's expensive. Also, a kid doesn't want to sit through a play. They're not going to be like, mommy, mommy, take me to Broadway. Yeah. (laughs) Although I will be very happy if my child decides to say that line to me when they're older. But I highly, I highly doubt it. I was like, yeah, let's go see The Lion King. I'm totally down. But no, I don't think that's going to happen. No kid. That's why you have to, well, you have to trick them into thinking they like it. That's what parenting is, right? Tricking Mm. your children into liking the things that you like. We'll see. Just watching those, I guess, renditions that you would never see. And the, I don't know if it's called some kind of like racial coding terminology that Broadway uses when in their audition process where they like, quote unquote, don't see color, which I hate that saying, but they don't see color in their audition process. So I feel like they're, at least in Disney Broadway, I feel like I've seen a lot more diverse casting where like Kristoff is played by a black man and mm-hmm. he has a song where he sings a lullaby. So you get to see a black man being emotional and mm. being vulnerable on stage, which is not really something that you would see in sure. life. Princess Anna's standby was a black woman. And oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah and, they're, and the king of Arendelle is black and the mom is white or Asian. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, <laughs> but it was funny seeing it on stage and, and wondering if kids would question it because it's like a black man and a white or Asian woman and they have a redhead and a blonde child. <laughs> just like, well, that's the thing. They with- could be adopted or something. I don't know. I'm <laughs> just staring at that. And I was like, there's no kids around me like asking questions. That's great. Yeah. The same thing happens in the Brandy Cinderella where yes, yeah. so Cinderella's stepmother is a white woman with two biological children, one of them white and one of them black. And then the prince who is a Filipino man yeah. has Whoopi Goldberg as his mother yeah. and Victor Garber, yeah. a white man, as yeah. his father. So you just don't question it. You're just like, whatever. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. matter. So that instance, yeah, nobody has ever questioned that movie. Everyone's like, that movie is great. Yes, that totally makes sense. Everything about it makes sense. But then you don't see that happen anywhere else mm-hmm. <laughs> in all of time. Or no, actually, you don't. <laughs> I, can't even, I can't even argue. Camila Cabello is going to be like the first Cinderella since then, right? That shows different identities and different characteristics. Mm-hmm. Because she doesn't have to be blonde and white and with blue eyes, but that's just the way that they always cast her. Right. Yeah. Except for Brandy. And everyone was like, that was so great, but let's not repeat it. Right. Like, (laughs) I mean, that was like 97. And then they're just like, actually, let's walk back from that. And let's go back to the the Cinderella movies that were like, after that were like Hilary Duff, a Mm -hmm. blonde white woman. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's a Disney movie. I don't think so. Even though like Hilary Duff was all about those mm-hmm. decom and like Disney Channel stuff. And then Ever After, oh, which yeah. is like an adaptation of yeah, yeah. Cinderella, I believe. I've never I've never seen it actually, but it blonde white Drew mm-hmm. Barrymore. Mm-hmm. As, I totally forgot about that uh, one. Cinderella once again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then you got so... the Selena Gomez, the Lucy Hale. So at least you have a brunette, but well, no, because Selena Gomez is a person of color. Yeah. She just can play off being white. 
But yeah. Who's the actor who's cast as Ariel in the new in the live remake of Little Mermaid? Oh, I um, forget her name, but she's... I always want to say Halle Berry, but I know that's not <laughs> right. I only keep making that mistake because my husband made it first. Um, or at least uh-huh. that's what I, that's what I'll say <laughs> because he said, "Oh, Halle Berry is gonna be the next Little Mermaid," and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> I'm so confused. It's Halle Bailey. There we go. Okay. <laughs> but I was like, isn't one woman supposed to be like sick? Not that she couldn't do it, because I'm not ageist, but I was like, that seems a little It doesn't seem like quite the right fit, yeah. perhaps. But yeah, Halle Bailey, who's a young black woman, and then uh oh, Javier Bardem is King Triton. Okay. And then we've got some voice actors of color. So I don't think we'll not see them on screen, but we've got Aquafina as yes. Scuttle, which I'm very excited about. And then yeah. uh, David Diggs as Sebastian. Nice. So that's, uh, that's pretty cool. I'm excited mm. for that. I think people had a lot of issues, though, with Melissa McCarthy as mm. Ursula. Right. But I don't yeah. remember that conversation in all of the comments. I remember that was like a huge thing. And like, I can see it. But also, like, I don't know if you saw the concert Little Mermaid last Mm-mm. year. Mm, um, no. Queen, Queen Latifah played Ursula. Right. Yeah. And I was so into that version. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I was like, yes. But I had to wait, like, at least an hour just to see her. Because it plays the movie. And then whenever there's a song, that's when they all come on stage. Oh. So they only redo the song parts, not the entire movie. I see. And it's on a, like a stage stage. So you see Queen Latifah singing Poor Unfortunate Souls, which mm-hmm. is the best Disney villain song of all time, in my mm-hmm. humble opinion. Well, and it's like six or seven minutes long, too. It's like <laughs> yeah. the longest Disney song. Because <laughs> right, they like stop in the middle and she's mm-hmm. like, okay, now sign my contract mm-hmm. and da 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 And now mm-hmm. let's go back to singing because I have to do the spell. Lesson. She's a businesswoman. She is. All about she's the contracts. All, she's, all, she's a lawyer, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, man. What a good song. And yet people don't know anything about contracts. <laughs> I don't know anything. I don't either. But I was like, oh, there's a contract in this movie? Like, I don't remember <laughs> that. Contracts are such a huge deal. You think in like you can see the consequences. You know, she turned into mm-hmm. a little thing. <laughs> and they were like, eh, we're just going to skim over this whole concept of contracts. Like, she did it and we can't do anything about it. It's a legal binding contract, but we're not going to explain what that actually means. Just that right. she's going to turn into this shrivel thing. And unless you sign, we're not changing it. That should have been a lesson to Ariel to always read your contract, read the fine print, get a lawyer to read, to cover mm-hmm. your contract for you, get someone to advocate for you. Wow, mm-hmm. there's so many lessons. That was a long contract, too. I remember her, like, unscrolling it. scroll. And it's so long. And it was still, like, rolled up at the top and bottom. Mm -hmm. I'm like, how much further does this go? (laughs) But Ariel's just like, I don't care. I'll sign it. I'll sign it with a little heart and everything. I have to to go kiss. Even But I can write my name, but I can't write anything else because I can't communicate with anyone. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Above land. Because I don't know if if they write the same language I do yeah what right oh my gosh there's so much to unpack with little (laughs) (laughs) 
I always wonder that too. Like, so my husband is the person who sits next to you criticizing everything about every movie. I don't understand why can't she just do this or why isn't she just do this? And we were watching Princess and the Frog and she just bought her restaurant and he mm-hmm. was like, but she could barely afford that. How is she going to afford to like buy tables and staff and a kitchen <laughs> and it's going to take her 10 million years just to get that whole place set up. And yeah, when, when we watched yeah. Little Mermaid, it was like, couldn't she just write a note to him and <laughs> explain everything? That's what I always thought. <sighs> Sigh. The only other thing that I was thinking is all of these people are such loners. Like, <laughs> you, But you already said it too. Like they have no friends or no human friends, no female friends. Mm-hmm. Or if they do have friends, they're all animals. And right. I was thinking when you think about it, it's the same for the villains. But you kind of anticipate that anyway because they're basically banished and living in exile or, or whatever but like every single character in all these movies have no friends they have like one sidekick who's an animal or like right. one pet of sorts and maybe there's some kind of parent or something but they're not really in it and they don't really move the story or anything and so really every character in every movie is just a lonely person with <laughs> maybe one pet yeah i don't know if like animals are easier to animate than humans and they're just like we just can't it's the 80s we're still doing everything by hand we just can't be bothered to like hire (laughs) another voice actor right i i don't know what accounts for that but also i mean these movies are being adapted from fairy tales that again have been written usually several hundred years prior they definitely make they take artistic liberties with the source material but they probably don't want to add a bunch of extra like human characters Mm. because they add in the animals so that the very young children who get taken to the theater will like have a fun little animal to look at that's true Uh, so that's why those people are there there's so many olafs so many olaf toys in that audience oh my gosh yes (laughs) but yeah I, i think they're just like well this story and usually these fairy tales are only like a couple pages long so to adapt that into a yeah like an hour movie plus 20 something songs right so they're like okay well you know let's figure out how to do this i guess let's not we don't want to like change the source material too much so we don't want to add a bunch of characters but you know we will add some animals i was thinking about this where in the original animated cinderella from like 1950 or Mm -hmm. 52 or something like that most of the movie is about the mice you don't even yeah, like Cinderella is kind of barely in the movie and it's yeah. just the mice doing a bunch of stuff. And then with Snow White, that movie's mostly about the seven dwarves. Like yeah. Snow White kind of she like stumbles She's upon their house. There. And then there's a bunch of like songs and sequences about like the dwarves doing stuff. They're playing their music or they're going off to their mm-hmm. mining job to pull some diamonds out of the earth. It's and basically it's like, like she's their cousin visiting them on their, right. on their life. Which is such like another screenwriting r- rule of thumb. Don't make your protagonist the least active character in your story. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but well, that was that story even meant to be about her? Because I've. I remember hearing something like the Snow White movie was technically more about like the evil queen. It was her story and Snow White was just an accidental character or like an accidental protagonist in it or something like that. I mean, that's how it ends up coming off because yeah the queen definitely is the far more active character the far more motivated character has more agency. She's the one like making the plot move forward whereas... But she's 
villainous, so we don't mm. identify with her. Therefore, she's not yes. the protagonist. <laughs> right. Snow White is the protagonist because she's like the sweet, innocent little girl who we're, we're following mm-hmm. throughout the story, even though she's not doing anything. Again, that, like, that's why if you're going to adapt a fairy tale, that's how the story is framed. Like, you got to make some other changes to like <laughs> make your protagonist more um, active. But where was I even going with this? I think something, the animal characters. Oh, yeah, the characters. Yeah, the protagonists are all like people who don't seem to have any other human interaction. If they do, it's with their dad, who's like three feet tall for some reason. All the Disney dads are like so short. Yes. I don't know. I wrote I that too. I wrote that too. <laughs> like all of the like parent parental figures who are like have a significant amount of screen time are mm-hmm. all like really short. And if it's a female, it's usually a grandmother who's like really short and really wide. And mm-hmm. well, that's something that we talk about on the Bechdel cast quite a bit, where like. Western beauty standards are like mm. so applied to Disney princess movies mm-hmm. where the two, the princess and then the man she falls in love with are attractive and they're white and mm-hmm. they're have body proportions that aren't cartoonish. Although with the women, usually their waist is so small oh, yeah. that like they would be dead. But, <laughs> yeah. But they at least more closely resemble like a human figure than a lot of the basically anyone else in the story that is just presented as being a cartoon because mm-hmm. this is these are like animated cartoons right but is that your son crying yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah he woke up from nap time um, and apparently moana is not not doing not it doing for him it. anymore <laughs> The other thing that you made me think of was like the height difference in the couples. Mm. The man is always taller and the woman is always like around his shoulders or something in terms of Mm. height, that idealistic perspective of what couples look like together and how they look and like what makes an attractive versus an unattractive couple, even if they're Mm. both attractive. Mm -hmm. Um, The last thing that I wanted to touch on before we say goodbye is have you seen the TV show Once Upon a Time? I did watch... The first season of it, when it came out, which was like, when was that? Like 2011 or or 2010? Yeah. Yeah. It's been quite a while. And I I think I only caught that first season. The first season. So I'm like kind of vaguely familiar. (laughs) I I told my husband that I was like, yes, it's the original season. And yes, the first season is always the iconic. But for me and a lot of people, I guess that I refer this tv show too i'm like don't watch the first season the first season is like the jersey shore of disney movies start (laughs) from season two and it'll be so much better okay good to know because that whole thing is like this woman who just sort of goes about this town that she's in and everyone seems to be a disney character right that's the whole thing and also isn't rumpelstiltskin there Mm -hmm. am i making that up yeah no it's yeah so there's definitely like other fairy tale characters there too it's just Mm. i would just say it's like any fairy tale character that just mostly happen to be disney characters Mm. or like the disney version of the characters right for me i always say it because i like the way that the women are portrayed in this and they like intentionally make it so that female characters from the animated versions are now like strong have agency do whatever they're doing and the men are more of the passive men who need saving who don't have agency who are the ones you know like crying and doing all of the things that you would expect the princess to do so yeah. it's kind of like a flip of roles um, which mm-hmm. I really like I also really like season two because it introduces a really young sexy version of Captain Hook 
Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. So if you're into that, like leather and the gruff and the guy liner and all that, I think <laughs> and he has an accent. I'm nice. really into that. Who plays him? Is it uh, someone Col- I would know? Probably not. Uh, Colin okay. O'Donoghue. He's an Irish uh, actor. Okay. He's He's in a new series with Disney about astronauts, but I haven't. I think it's based on real life, but I haven't watched it yet. I know he's in other things and he sings. There's oh. a musical episode in season six, I think. And they all happen to sing really well, which I was like so jelly of. I'm like, okay, so you happen to be all be like the main cast of the series for like six seasons, but you all also happen to sing really well. What a coincidence. <laughs> Unless they just hired people to sing for them and they just did the whole lip sync no, thing. No, I watched no? the behind the scenes. They all <gasps> sang. Whoa. Yeah. So like, what are the odds that you all sang and you all sound good and you all look good and <laughs> like literally everything that a Disney character is? Not fair. So not fair. Did you have any last minute plugs? Check out the Bechtel cast. We have a lot of episodes. We've covered a lot of Disney movies, especially like the most iconic princess ones. So yeah, give that a listen for, because I mean, you you can only, in in an hour long conversation, you can only really scratch the surface in terms of like all there is to unpack about like Disney princess movies and just from a representation standpoint. Mm -hmm. So, So yeah, give that if anyone wants to give the Bechtel cast a listen on those specific episodes or any of them because we cover a lot of movies a lot of different types of movies thanks for listening and i'll see you next time